I was getting all the notifications on my phone. Yeah. And my computer that was just like blowing up my headphones. That's what distracted me from telling you about your audio problems. Yeah, this is take two of take Off two. the Crossbar. Because these guys, you're too caught up in early. See, you know how we do a social hour on this show? We also do a pre-social hour. We caught we were caught up in pre-social hour. Didn't tell me that my mic was using the wrong one. Should we uh, use the wrong input? Should we release pre-social hour for Patreon subscribers? <laughs> yeah, that's what we should do. That whole one minute and ten second of recording. Sometimes it's longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Not always. For Patreon. Oh man. So on That'd that note, uh, welcome to episode sixty-six of Off the Crossbar, a Real Salt Lake podcast. Hello. Nice. We did it. It's episode was, 66. I got my flu shot today, so the snapping is actually not... kind of hurts a little That's, bit. Wow. Oh, what are those? Why does your... Why? My arm hurts. Oh, Matt, why is there like green slime coming out of your eyes? Is it dude? <laughs> like, is it related to the flu shot? Yeah. Um, you weren't supposed to tell anyone about that. That's You're part supposed of to the, get uh, the organic flu shot, the one that comes from the earth. Oh, no, mine came from under the earth or in oh, okay. the middle of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> middle earth. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's normal then. Never mind. We'll carry yeah, on. It's slowly turning me into a hobbit, I guess. That's beautiful. Already the right height. So, are you? Oh, wait, well, what's the. Five, you, six. So. Okay. What's yeah. the normal hobbit height? I don't know. Oh, it's like three feet tall or something. Sure. Oh, yeah, that's sure a little different. Uh, between 0.61 and 1.22 meters tall. Nice. Which you, your guess is as good as mine what a meter is. Meter I was is not taught about meters in the U.S. education system. It is close to three feet, but it's not three feet. It's like three inches one way or the other. It's like three and a half inches one way or the other. I don't remember. Did we have a con- Oh, I think it was in person, actually. I think it was at a game where we were talking about why soccer is like it's primarily a European or sport and based in the U.K., but everything is measured in yards on the soccer field and why that is. It's really weird, isn't it? Yeah, because, and it's even, it's weird because you, like if you watch or listen to people in Europe or the UK talk about soccer, they have to refer to measurements in yards very frequently, but then sometimes they'll just also say meters as well. So like I was watching that, uh, the Liverpool Manchester City game over the weekends, which was a great game, um, but like Arlo White at like three different times kept switching back between yards and meters because when you refer to the yard, the box, the yard box, like I think he said the sentence a few meters outside the eighteen yard box, and I was like, whoa, that's so yeah. confusing. That's like very- you would never say. You never refer to inches and centimeters in the same sentence unless you were doing a conversion of some kind. Yeah, that's it's very English, though. Like if you listen to like English TV shows or just like English people talk, they do have like a hybrid system in England. Yeah, because they it's used good. to use the uh, it's imperial one, one of their. Right? Yeah, it's like yeah. one of their secrets that they use like 
a hybrid system. They're not like fully metric or it's fully one of those secrets. state secrets. <laughs> You're not supposed to talk about state secrets on the podcast, Trevor. <laughs> they they developed MI6 in order to in order to protect such yeah, exactly. high level secrets, such as that they sometimes use the imperial system. They as use well. miles and miles <laughs> per hour as well as kilometers per hour. So this is and part of the new James Bond movie, right? A whole bunch yeah. of stupid things like that. that. Somebody so was doing an just, expose. You just blew the lid off the new James Bond movie, so. Sorry. Don't I care. heard Daniel Craig's going to quit because of that. Wow. No. <laughs> yeah. So I learned a thing um, like two weeks ago about Daniel Craig. Apparently like a few years ago, he was doing an interview and they were like talking about being James Bond. And he was like, I hate it. I don't like it. I don't want to do it anymore. And uh, he said in that interview, he was like, if I do another James Bond movie, it will 100% be for the money. Like, it's not going to be because. And then that's the one that's coming out right now. That's the one that's coming out. Yeah. Cool. I love it. Well, I mean, that's all those movies are at this point anyway, really. Like, yeah. Extended ad for Aston Martin. And I mean, it's all just for the. Yeah. I mean. I actually didn't know there was another one with him in it. So I was surprised. And I didn't know there was one coming out this month. And then I saw somebody post a thing that was like, wow, October is stacked. And one of the movies was No Time to Die. And I was like, what? I thought I thought Idris Elba or something was supposed to be in it. I don't I'm I'm very behind on the uh, James Bond discourse, but it's been very it's ramped up again recently. So sure has it's been a several year gap between yeah. wait have they picked the, the next james bond no, no do we need another one that, do we need There's more like, james bond movies is my question do we how yeah. many have they made have they made 100 yet because if so no it's i mean i'm gonna take an educated guess here but it's less than i think it's between like 30 and 40 that seems like right. too many movies this, this is a great like opportunity to do live a bunch like there was a lot that I had never ever heard of before. Yeah. So like, why do we need more? Like twelve years ago, um, when I first moved out, I was living with a whole bunch of BYU students, and one of them had like a week or two weeks off of school or something, and or off of work, and so he just stayed home. He had purchased every James Bond movie and just stayed home and just marathoned all of the James Bond movies. That sounds kind and of like the main are living room. Good? Are all of the, are, are like the well, old ones good? I don't even no, know. The old ones are like, there's some good ones, but there's some that aren't, but they're all like, they're way campy. Like okay, they're super, here's the thing they should do. This is what, if, if they're out looking for my respect yeah. in particular, this weird, is what they would, do. They would follow the model of car manufacturer Ferrari and they would release, they would release like a very special version that says, okay. Uh, like there's this example of this Ferrari that in order to buy it from Ferrari, you have to like own like a certain number of other Ferraris or I can't remember what the rule is. It's some stupid pretentious thing. They should do that though with the movies in order to see the new James Bond, like you can't buy a ticket unless like they scan your brain to verify that you've seen all other like 50 ones that include all the ones that suck. And then you can gain entry by the way. 20, 25th. Okay. Yep. In order to see the 25th okay. of James Bond, No Time to Die, you have to have seen all other 24. When you're buying the ticket, you have to answer very in-depth quizzing. You have to provide receipts or movie tickets um, for the Ooh. ones that came out, you know, within the last trivia here. 15 to 20 years, I think, is acceptable. So all, all of the movie, the James Bond movies in the 1980s were directed by the same person 
John Glenn. And if I'm not mistaken, it's probably the astronaut John Glenn. The one that went to the moon. Yeah, moon guy. Really? Um, oh. Well, well the, moon was, really? the moon was fake. The moon landing was fake then. I think this proves it. No, wait, oh, John Glenn right. didn't go to the moon. He just went to space. He just went to Stanley Kubrick's set, is what you mean. Oh, speaking of Stanley Kubrick, uh, can I ask you guys a question? Kyle, sure. I feel like you would be able to answer this maybe. Yes. Uh, is The Shining yeah. appropriate for like an 11 year old who's into like or trying to get into like horror movies? Oh, wait, that's actually kind of a tough question. And the answer yeah. is more yes than no, I think. Okay. I'm kind of in between. I haven't, I, mean, I haven't seen The Shining, so I don't know. I've seen it's several. Really good. It's, it's a very good movie, but I think but not that one. It's like I think a lot of people saw that like when it came out, I think a lot of people saw it in their early teens. So I think oh man, that is tough. I maybe wait a couple years. Yeah, maybe like 13 or 14 is the age. Okay. It is a great movie though. Is there I don't any know. like like weird stuff that like 11-year-olds might not get or I think just I mean, I've heard some interesting conspiracy theories about it that they probably wouldn't get. But uh, other than that. Yeah. I, mean, um, I think there's just I'm like, talking specifically about like adult stuff that like 11 year olds so. probably aren't privy to. Yeah. I, I think don't there's like more explicit stuff. like like nudity and stuff that might oh, be a bad yeah. idea. But yeah, I think. I mean, it's not like. I mean, it, it is a it is a scary movie, but it's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. 11 is it scary in like the like jump scare kind of way or is it scary in like the psychological? It's 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 got it's got some jumpy stuff, but it's very like unsettling like the whole movie. Yeah. Okay. That's, 11 seems young for that, to you be honest. 2001 A Space Odyssey instead. That's a good movie. All right. Stick with Stanley Kubrick, you know, yeah. a little bit of that horror element if you are looking for that. Oh no, I just did that thing where I, that I always do. I always confuse Close Encounters of the Third Kind with 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh. Yeah. So you say 2001 A Space Odyssey and I start thinking of the Mashed Potato Mountain. Oh yeah, no, very different movie. Yeah. I can't believe I almost recommended you show The Shining to an 11-year-old, but I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I just think that movie is really good. But yeah, wow, that, that's quite a conundrum. Anyway. Uh, what's going on with you guys? Uh, Trevor, you were, you were just talking. What's What's up? Um, not much. We're debating about what movies, uh, my kid can start watching. Cause they wanted to start watching a bunch of horror movies. So mostly because they want to watch stranger things. They've been into the idea of stranger things for mm-hmm. years and they're starting to get a lot more into like D and D and there's like the D and D stranger things, obvious crossover there. Yeah. Um, but I said that they can't watch stranger things until they watch a couple of the shows that like or movies that are referenced in stranger things like ghostbusters and like poltergeist and like okay. you know a couple of those things yeah and poltergeist was the one that i was like you can't watch poltergeist until you're older because i watched that one when i was like eight and it messed me up a lot mm-hmm. and i still Explains don't a lot, have any guys. interest in watching it because it was really scary for me um <laughs> Anyway, so, but that was like several years ago when that whole thing started. Um, so yeah, they're, they're now starting to get into more horror movies. So the shining was the one that they wanted to watch most recently. I'm trying to think of other ones that they've watched or wanted to watch. 
and yeah. I can't think of right now. Oh, yeah, that's that's tough. Um, I have no idea. The one that messed me up as a kid was the was the Sixth Sense. That oh, like really? Yeah, I saw. Yeah. It. I, was like, I was like in like third grade, and it like was that- re- really bad. <laughs> Like it scared me so bad for like a year. Oh, I guess that's fair. But like I was in third grade um, yeah. or something. Maybe like maybe I think I was that young, which is crazy that I watched it that young. But I forgot um, about the actual scary parts of that movie. In my like head, you're saying six cents was scary. No, and then the like biker lady. Mm, yeah, yeah, there's. I mean, honestly, I didn't, I didn't think about all those. I was just thinking about like Bruce Willis, dead guy. Like that's not scary, but no, you're right. Oh, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. come out in like 98 or something um, <laughs> I think it was, yeah yeah i i mean yeah it, it it was not an i mean i saw it at like a friend's house it was not an appropriate thing for me to watch at that time in my life but um yeah just kind of kind of funny how that how that happened but yeah who knows i, I don't know what's a pro- i don't know a dang thing trevor but i wish you luck on your quest yeah, we'll figure it out. I watched all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies in high school, but those are very gory and mm-hmm. I mean they're ridiculous and over the top and fun. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, probably not recommended. Yeah, the one that I wanted to show um, Charlie was The Strangers, and then as soon as I started oh my, explaining, like that's the way premise, scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As soon as I started explaining the premise, I was like, "Oh wait, no, we can't do that. You're a child." <laughs> That movie is, is it's a it's a good movie. That's like a really good horror movie of its genre of like that kind of movie. I think it's it's probably one of the better ones. Yeah, but that is a very scary movie. <laughs> yeah, really, <laughs> not at all not, child appropriate. Not horror, but uh, like Labyrinth might be good. Yeah, Labyrinth is really good. Dark uh, what was the some good? The, yeah, Dark Crystal is the other one that always comes to mind. Anything with Muppets is good um willow's not really a horror movie but i feel like it's in that same genre of movies probably just because we watched them all at the same time when i was a kid Mm. but willow was scary i had that moment where the what was it the animal they they had to fight something and it was a scary thing like a dragon that kept growing heads or something like that it's a scary thing i don't know it's been years for me but decades i guess is appropriate that part of oh. that movie scared me, even though the rest of it, like, it's not a scary movie. Yeah. No, that's but uh, besides scary movies, um, I don't think I'm finished hiking for the year. We went on a sunrise hike oh, this past man. weekend. Oh, dude, I um, did that on Friday. And uh, that's glorious. We're probably going to do another one this weekend, but much closer to home. We went up to, like, East Canyon. Um, yeah, that's, that's far from you guys. Yeah, I think we're going to go back to... Probably do Stewart Falls again. And it's just an easy, really close hike. Oh, I need to. I need to get back to the backside of Sundance before the fall is oh, over. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah, it's a good spot. I don't know why I said the backside of Sundance. I meant the backside of Timpanogos. Tip, yeah, but that's a good easy hike. And I think if we can get out early enough, we can beat the sun again. And that's always that's really fun. That's the best. That's my problem with up there. That's the hardest thing for me. Is that like by the time I get there, if it's like the evening, you know, it's like, um, like the sun's already dipped behind Tim because that mountain's just so dang tall. So yeah, but you know, it's all right. We'll figure it out. But uh, that's pretty much it. Nice. That's all I've done in the past Matt, week. What's going on with you? Um, I did go on a hike. I think we all went on a hike yesterday, right? Yeah. 
a short hike at least. Mm-hmm. Went and saw some some leaves and whatnot. I did not go on a hike yesterday. I just went to work yesterday. I think that counts. Yeah, but where I'm where I was working, like it counts. Yeah. <laughs> so that's right. We'll count it. Um, other than that, I'm currently uh, simmering some tomato soup on the stove. Oh, and I yeah. made waffles on Saturday. So I'm going to oh, do some yeah. like grilled cheese waffles. And uh, we'll see how those turn out. But uh, I'm bored with dip that. Them in some it tomato soup and very good. Up. That's what my boss does. He makes waffles like every weekend, but he intentionally makes like way too many. So that just for breakfast, he makes a waffle sandwich mm. every day. Perfect. Something in the middle and two pe- two waffles as a piece as bread. Man, yeah. that sounds yummy, but like that would hurt my stomach. I don't think I try not to eat like bread in the morning, even gluten free bread. Just like <laughs> I just starting my day off with like that much. I wish I could comfortably do that. And I, yeah. Yeah, I do a granola like, bar every morning, personally. Yeah, I, I do like rice cereals, but like, yeah, anything heavier than that, I'm just like, I'm about to go sit at my desk and like work all day. And I, if I were moving around, I'd feel more comfortable doing it. But it's like, I'm going to go put four slices of bread into my stomach and then go sit on my chair. It's like, oh, I can't do it. Yeah. So, yeah, I even have a hard time with like sandwiches for lunch. I'm like, I've been on the protein shake game oh. just because... Yeah, I don't know. Brett and I have a weird relationship, okay? Yeah, it sounds like it. Something uh, I've, I've been doing sandwiches for lunch, and it's fantastic. I um, do love sandwiches, sandwiches so much. And they're always smaller than normal sandwiches because gluten-free bread is tiny. Yeah, it is small. Yeah, I did have a peanut butter jelly the other day, and it's tiny, yeah. Gluten-free bread is small and weak. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, probably true. Um, <laughs> I picked a zucchini that was like as big as my head, probably. Maybe not as because my head but like the size of my arm easily i don't know why i showed you guys my arm you know what arms look like <laughs> the size of a normal I human just held arm. his arm up to the camera like like this one of these yeah. i want to you know you know those arm things <laughs> yeah Pretty good we've all got them or you know on the podcast have two of them yeah but not everyone has an arm and that's okay um other than that it's uh i don't know it's it's been a week and it's only tuesday so yeah. Hooray. Same. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, I've been, oh, man, I've been like, I've been just trying to get into the mountains as much as possible over the last like week, I guess, just because the colors have just been so good this year. And I don't know if it's because it stayed warm so much longer, but it seems like the like slipping into the fall colors in the mountains has been so much more gradual this year. And it's like, a lot of different colors at the exact same time. Like a buddy of mine was just sending me pictures coming down from um, Guardsman, or excuse me, not Guardsman. He was in Parley's Canyon t- uh, today coming back from work and it just looks insane. Like you got, like every color of fall is like happening right now. And I don't remember seeing that here. Like I can't remember it happening. It's been, if it has, it's been a long time. But like I always am trying to like take a lot of pictures in the fall time. I generally do that every year. And I was looking back through other fall photos and I was just like, I did not get any like this. I haven't gotten any photos like this for a long time. It's just so, it's just so pretty right now. Um, It's very good. First week of October is apparently just very nice. But yeah, last week did a nice little sunrise hike by myself (laughs) um, up at Guardsman Pass, which was very nice. It was incredibly pretty, but 
it was very chilly. It was like, it was right when it like dipped really chilly, like one of those days. So when I started, it was like 25 degrees up there or something like that. And then, yeah, just been, just been chilling extremely hard. Oh, it's my birthday this upcoming weekend. Oh, so that's happy, a thing. Happy birthday. Thank you. We're almost there. Um, I don't like my birthday. I don't feel uh, any sort of attachment to it, which makes some people close to me very upset that I hate my birthday, but it's okay. Are we um, allowed to wish you a happy birthday? Yes, on you can birthday? do that. Yes. So Saturday or Sunday? Um, it's on Saturday. Okay. So that's Dear a thing. Listeners, tweet at Kyle. That's right. You can't tell you can him that tweet he, it's okay if he doesn't love his birthday. We're yeah. going to reassure him a happy okay. one instead. Yeah. So there's that. Um, and then I'm going to go down to St. George with my family on Saturday for this like music festival that's happening just on Saturday. And we're just, I think I'm just going to go drive down there and come back in the same day, which is ambitious, but I feel very prepared for it for some reason. What's the um, uh, music festival? It's called the Super Bloom Festival. My, uh, my mom, I like a couple of bands playing. There's this band called, um, Yolklore that's playing that I really like, but my mom, uh, really wanted to do a nice little, uh, family event thing. So just my immediate family and, um, and partners and spouses are coming down too. And we're just, uh, going to hang down there for Saturday. It's at, uh, Sand Hollow. Yeah. That's and in then, my um, hometown of Hurricane, Utah. That's right. So yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy for me. I started watching a show called, uh, um, midnight mass last night. It's really good. I saw a really horrifying French horror movie the other day in theaters, which was, um, don't recommend for the faint of hearts. Uh, don't recommend the movie or don't recommend the movie for the faint of hearts. Well, probably either. Um, yeah, it's called Titan. It was very gnarly. Um, yeah what else i think that's it anyway just just been just been having a good time i was thinking about how pretty i i know i'm not trying to make you feel bad for missing the game last saturday trevor but like uh the sun like it was just so pretty seeing like the mountains um that that evening like last wednesday like the mountains just looked incredible like just color super colorful and the stadium was just really pretty and it was just a very um very temperate evening. It was just very nice. That was, whew. it was just a great fall, fall football evening. Yeah. I'm really kind of bummed. I missed it. I know that was a good one. Well, it was almost not a good one, but it, it, it was a good one, which is how that goes yeah. sometimes. But really bummed. Anyway. Joshua James is playing at that thing. Oh yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think I've seen Joshua James several times, but it's, it's been I have two, a decade back in like at least. The, at like the velour back yeah. in the, yeah, I was gonna say I've seen him. I watched him, yeah, back in like 2007, 2008. I feel like, mm-hmm. and I just remember thinking that this guy was absolutely incredible. Yeah, he's good. Um, my mom really likes the national parks, so she bought those tickets. I think because she wanted to see them. And then, um, a girl I'm friends with actually is in that band, or I used to be friends with her. I was friends with her in high school and like soon after, but I haven't talked to her in a long time. But. I like checked in on her a few years ago. She, she she's the one that married the uh, singer for that band. She's very nice. But nice. anyway, yeah. So that should be that should be interesting. Well, good. Enjoy uh, enjoy Hurricane. If you need to see my parents for some reason, <laughs> I think my dad listens <laughs> to the podcast sometimes. <laughs> so uh, I do need you. to see them. Yes. Yeah. 
All right. Well, um, update real quick before we forget. Yes. One meter is three feet and three and a third inches. 3.37 inches. Huh. So oh, I was like, like almost yeah, a I yard. Like nailed it. Did you know if you double that, it's 6.6, 6, which is the episode, the episode number one. That's kind right. Of, Ooh. If you want to 6.6. Yeah, it would be fun if we did decimals, but uh, probably not very effective. We could just lie and say we've been doing seasons this whole time and like every oh, 10 yeah. episodes is a new season. So technically this is episode 6.6. 6. 6. I like it. I'm all for lying to our listeners. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we recording still? Hang oh, on. We could think um, we paused earlier. If you times it because it's 3.37 mm. times it by two, it actually becomes 6.74. I don't like that at all. Six feet, 6.74 inches. Gross. Oh, Maybe just ignore decimals and we were rounding to what was convenient, Trevor. Yeah. I agree. Like I said, just think of it like close to three feet and you're right. <laughs> Fair enough. I like right, it. Well, That's how I'm thinking about it. That's how I choose to think about it. Basically a yard. I don't think there's yeah. any interesting uh, news happening in Real Salt Lake, so should we just skip that section? Well, I, um, <laughs> hold on. Let's see. Because I think you're wrong. Yeah, because oh, we've got yes, a new owner. We should, uh, we've got oh, plenty to yeah. talk about. That's right. Oh, I'm just kidding. I guess. Uh, okay. First up, I've got... Um, oh, I put these in the wrong order. Yeah, uh, fix that. Up, That's incredibly important. First up is that Kyle's birthday is on Saturday. <laughs> That's on the dock. That's RSL news. Uh, the, I mean, you are a, a fixture, a staple. I don't know. One of those words. Well, would probably disagree, but hey, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy you're here. Uh, the next is that uh, the coaching search continues. Um, but we do know now. News. I know. <laughs> The club is in the final round of interviews and they're looking to have an announcement inside the next two weeks or a decision, not necessarily an announcement. And I think that's a good distinction to make because they may decide on somebody and announce it at the end of the season. They may announce it immediately. Yeah. I don't think we have any clarity yet on on what the plan for when they hire is. Um, some of the candidates include uh, that we know about it's from a Jeff Carlisle tweet today. He's at ESPN. Uh, Pat Noonan, who we knew. Jason Christ, who we knew. Landon Donovan. Uh, the two new ones that I hadn't heard yet uh, were Luchi Gonzalez and Dominic Kinnear. Both of whom have quite a bit of experience in MLS. Uh, well, Luchi Gonzalez, of course, was not a uh, not an option until like three weeks ago when he was fired yeah. by FC Dallas. So, yeah. We kind that of heard be really a, interesting, honestly. We heard Dom Kinnear a little bit ago as like a rumor rumor from a friend. So I don't think it's yeah. the first time we heard it, but it's the first time that like somebody real that like reports on this stuff is like, yeah, he's being considered. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. And then <laughs> Dom Kinnear. No, we just mentioned him. Luchi Gonzalez. Yeah. Obviously former coach of FC Dallas. Everybody was super high on him. Uh, except for Dallas, apparently. I thought he yeah. was doing fine, but just Dallas just didn't support him in any way whatsoever. First time for everything signs. that Dallas would not support him well. They yeah. did sell a lot of players and uh, did not work to replace those players. They brought up new well, yeah, young players to sell, right? That's the thing. He was the academy director, and then he became the head coach. So a lot of those players that they sold, like Chris Richards and Brian Reynolds and Weston McKinney and all those people, like 
were in the academy when he was the academy director. So he's <laughs> at least partly responsible for that. Yeah. And then once he became the first team head coach, he pretty much had more academy kids that didn't get sold. And then they just spent money very poorly on who's our, uh, bringing in other players for yeah. him. So who's our academy director right now? Oh, oh it's, it's that uh, uh, one guy, the Dutch guy. Oh, yeah. it's, it's him, right? Arnold yeah. Reisenberg. Yeah, I think so. That sounds that right. Sounds right. Sounds Dutch. Um, yeah. Okay. What if? Well, I don't know. Well, we've had. He's I mean, interesting to me, but we've I don't had, know. Like, three or four academy directors in the last like five years. I thought right. Yeah. Uh, so we not, had Martin Vasquez, oh. uh, and then he got moved up to Real Monarchs, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then I believe uh, Arnold Reisenberg was the next one up. So. Oh well. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. Let's be honest. Maybe. His LinkedIn says, oh. well, let's see. Should I connect with him? You yeah, should. do it. Let's see what happens. All right. What's the worst that can happen? He says no. Gets you fired. Oh, that would be <laughs> unfortunate. There we go. Imagine. Like, whoa. Um, currently. It's not updated, so. Uh, Tom Spall, Spall is listed as the Academy Director at Real Salt Lake, according to LinkedIn. Oh, right. And Arnold Reisenberg is the Director of Coaching at the Academy. Oh. Okay. okay. That's probably what I'm thinking is we've hired a bunch of people in the Academy with names like Academy Director, Director of something. Yeah. So hmm. that's probably what's confusing me. Yeah. I don't know why you'd be confused by that. Yeah, I don't know either. It's pretty straightforward to me. Although notably, Tom Spall is not listed on the club's uh, front office page. I don't understand anything. And they do list academy people. So part of do me they wonders, have anybody listed as an academy director? No, I didn't see one. Okay. Well. Um. Good. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, Good. Very confusing, isn't I mean, it? I don't. I don't want to be critical of the people that run the website at the club, but it's been several years since that thing was like a hundred percent reliable, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. So, doesn't really surprise me that they don't Darn. have completely up to date information. Like we found out about the Luke Mulholland thing last week, wasn't it? Oh yeah, how he's listed as head scout now? He's well, he was listed as head scout, and then he was oh. also listed somewhere else as what was it? Technical Team scout? scout. Team, team scout. scout. Yeah. Is so he listed the head as like, scout? Um, or team scout? One of the two. <laughs> it depends on which section you're on. I thought he was listed as lead scout because that got updated about the time just, that we could just was ask. like, "Am I coming back or not?" Oh, that's right. Yeah, we could just ask, but also it's funny to speculate due to how chaotic that is. Okay, I have asked about Tom Spall, so uh, when we get a response, if it's live on air, all the better. Nice. Real-time reporting. That's what's happening right now. This is exciting stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's good. Great. Nice. Nice. I have as a question here, why hire right now? But let's get to these next two items really quick and have a discussion on that. Uh, who wants to take this ne- next one? Somebody put it in the document. So, Oh, who could have done that? 
Uh, David Ochoa and Albert Rusnak have been called up to their respective national teams. David Ochoa with the U21s in Mexico. And Rusnak called up for some World Cup qualifiers against Russia and Croatia with Slovakia, yeah. obviously. So it's a big, big thing for him to be back in the the Slovakian national team. Yeah. Especially after being snubbed for uh, Euro 2020 slash 2021. Being snubbed and then becoming like, like very notice, noticeably better after yeah. that. In my I, is opinion, that the, is that the order that happened? I was never sure. <laughs> we talked about that ad nauseum on the podcast. So yes, oh, I do have an lot. update here. Uh, it sounds like Tom Spall left the club during the pandemic to uh, yeah for for one reason or another, but it sounded uh, personal related. Okay, interesting. So who is the academy director? That is a good question. Well, let's do some more. I will uh, endeavor to find out some more live reporting. Kind of sounds like there might not be one right now. There might be. I'm. Uh, I, I will. Uh, yeah, I'll, Do I'll we have to any find out. Interim academy director. Is that how that works? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, oh, oh no, no, it's uh, his replacement. So do you remember? It must have been um, two months ago or so. That uh, John Spencer was announced. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Not that John Spencer, not that and not John the Spencer. other John Spencer. Oh, that's right, we did that. Oh, whole John thing. Spencer, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what I remember about it is that we made that same joke four times. Got it. Okay. So uh, yeah, there we've we've tied the knot there. Is that that's not the phrase, but I'm going to go with it anyway. <laughs> Type it. Close yeah. the loop. Close the loop. Tie the knot. It's the same thing, right? No. Yeah. A loop is no, a, an essential that. piece of some knots. I have a bunch of knots that I take camping um, because I don't know any knots except a square knot. You're smarter than that. I can do a pretty good bowline. Oh, nice. I set the record in our scout troop for the fastest bowline. Oh. We had, wow. like, we had races and are, I are won. We, are we going to have an off the crossbar bowline off? I mean, we could bowline off, bowline yeah. off. Yeah, that sounds I'm good. Pretty sure I'd still kick anybody's butt that would want to try. But <laughs> wow, <laughs> sounds like there's just two of us here that would potentially be <laughs> in the running. Just so. talking to Kyle right now. <laughs> I, have, I have a book on knots, so I can I can certainly study up. Oh man! Well, there, good luck. <laughs> all right well <laughs> oh man i feel intimidated now all right the uh, next news item uh there will be some real salt real salt lake players with real monarchs on saturday um i've been told by somebody at the club uh that we're looking at bobby wood andrew brody milan Loski, no surprise there and bodie davis again no surprise there uh, and potentially one other player with the monarchs this weekend is could it be jason ramirez uh, you know, I wouldn't count on it <laughs> for whatever reason. I remember when we first heard that, that I was like, Bobby Wood with the Monarchs. What is this? What's going on? But it makes a lot of sense. Like, I didn't put it together that this weekend, like, there's no RSL. So, yeah. Yeah. Get him some minutes. Who cares if it's with the Monarchs? Yeah. I think it's a good idea myself. Yeah. So, um, who, who do the Monarchs play? You, I don't know. Probably switchbacks or something uh, they as good as guess as any to be honest oh, it, 
it is the switchbacks and it's oh, nice. Friday evening. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Or this month. Hooray. Yeah. We love them. We love how many times they've played the switchbacks this year. We love switching oh, back it's and forth. Be like upwards of seven. I it's not, but that's what it feels like. Uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh jeez. Mm- yeah, eight. I feel like, I feel like we play, the Monarchs either play the Switchbacks or they play the um, uh, El Paso. Oh, wait, wait. This year is 2021, isn't it? Yes, it, it is. is. It uh, does happen to be that, yes. Or they play four, the... Four. There's another team from San <laughs> okay. Antonio that they play all the time. <laughs> all right, so maybe not the that crazy eight, amount. Eight times but. in four years. How's that? Two years. That's good. right. Oh boy, this is uh, going downhill fast. Let's have a discussion about uh, why we should hire a coach right now, or why we maybe shouldn't. I, I boy, um, why should we though? It's why, but why not? I mean, like if you know, if I'm you, talking about like having the no. discussion. Why should we have the discussion? Why should we? Oh, I see what you're saying. People I see what you're going here. here. Okay, um, people demand it. Let's go. Um, yeah. Why should we hire right now? What are the What are the pros and cons of hiring a coach right now? I mean, uh, okay, so the pros obviously are that uh, if you know your guy, you should just go get him and lock him down, I guess. Um, more time for the coach to get his, you know, get a feel for the club before. I mean, it, it depends on what our goals are for this season. Like, where does this team, I mean, making the playoffs seems seems good. Um, I think that's a that's a pretty decent accomplishment. Um, I don't know if this team has uh, much ambition past that, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard for me to say. So do you hire a coach knowing that you might forfeit a chance at the playoff if it doesn't go well for the first couple of games? Um, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the calculus I assume. So I don't know. I kind of think so. I kind of think you just do that. I kind of think you do too. I think the advantage of keep getting a coach now and like getting him in front of these players that are on the roster and like getting him used to who is here and being able to make the decisions about who he wants to keep and who he doesn't want to keep going into next year. Cause Mm. like there's a conversation that we have with coaches all the time and Pablo even brought it up because obviously he did um, about like whether or not they get a preseason with the team. Yeah. And like, that's such a big deal, but the added bonus that you would get by hiring a coach now is he gets to see the team and like interact with the team and the people on the team and the players and all that and play out the last, what, like six, seven, eight, ten games, whatever it is, play yeah. out the last several games and use that to kind of decide who he wants to keep. And then when they go into building a roster in the off season, then they're that much more informed about building the roster. And then he gets a preseason without the players that he doesn't want and with the players that he does want. And he just gets to make a, much smarter decision. Yeah, I think that's fair. About the whole thing. So yeah, I think that, and I think it makes a big difference to exactly just following on what you're saying. I think that's exactly right. Like seeing having actually having in person experience with with the players that may or may not be on your chosen roster next year. I think it's easy. It's easier to make that decision in the off season with some experience with those players in some actual like game time experience than it would be for say you know land is say landed donovan takes over 
Um, it's hard. It's going to be hard for him to make the determination in the off season. It's going to be, I don't know about hard. It'll be harder to make the determination in the off season who you are thinking is going to be part of your core group moving forward, you know, unless you get that experience with them at the end of this year. I think that might help that make those decisions going into the preseason and next season a bit easier having that experience. But, um, I mean, if you know who you're going to hire, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really see a reason to hold off other than to, other than that disruption. And that's just got to be something that's weighed against everything else. So the other con is, and Elliot kind of took care of this in his couple most recent interviews with Brian. And I think he went on the drive as well. Um, and just talking to other people, other reporters, the concern about the ownership that we had months ago or when this whole Freddie thing started was what if we hire a coach and then a new owner comes in and doesn't like the coach that we hired. Um, I, Elliot kind of allayed those fears for me. I feel like the new owner, whoever it is that is going to come in is just going to have to kind of trust the front office at this point yeah. and not really come in and just make wholesale changes mm-hmm. from day one, which um, kind of, I mean, it makes a lot more sense. And I honestly think it's a much smarter way to do it. And it does give the team the ability to start building for next year immediately rather than than waiting for an owner and and if you have an owner coming in that knows that he's got a team that's already started building then it kind of keeps the owner from wanting to be as involved you know what i mean yeah because it again the, the idea of an owner coming in and like day one making wholesale changes is kind of a scary one and I, I don't know. I, I just think it allays those fears of that happening. I think it makes a new owner kind of have to trust the front office and be able to see the effects of the decision making that they're making on their own. Mm-hmm. And if it turns out to be a good one, then that's a good thing for the new owner. And it's a good thing for the front office as it stands. It's going to um, build that relationship with the new owner a lot quicker, I think. So I do think it makes a lot of sense to definitely make the decision as soon as possible but i I think you put the new head coach in as soon as possible you announce them um start giving them games as soon as possible there's not really there's not really an obvious con that i think outweighs that at all if if the con is that you missed the playoffs this year like honestly who cares like I mean, I'm sure there's the team and the the players and all that. They would want to make the playoffs, but if this team makes though, right? Right, it is. But if you give up that opportunity to build a better team next year, then I got to feel like players would understand that because the team has to make the best decision for the team. And if the best decision is to kind of not tank this year, but give up a chance at a, a maybe a playoff spot, maybe a playoff game and at best a home playoff game, maybe one, then yeah. I think you give that up for a better chance going into next season. This team is close enough that like we can squeak our way into the playoffs this year. But I think if we use the last couple of games this year, an entire off season and a preseason going into next year, we could be contenders without a whole lot of massive investment and overhaul. Yeah. So yeah, pretty compelling. I, I think you take that possible con for the obvious and clear benefit that you get by getting a coach as soon as possible. I think one of the things we have to think about is if Pat Noonan is the leading candidate, 
this is something Charles Baum brought up on Twitter today, uh, was that FC Cincinnati just hired, what was his name? Chris Albright. Chris Albright, uh, who was the assistant technical director. And then I believe we even moved beyond that uh, for Philadelphia Union. He got hired as coach at Cincinnati? Uh, no, as general manager. Oh, so the the fear is that Noonan could get snatched up by him? Yeah, and I wonder if that adds some an element of needing to move quickly on this. It does. It did feel like things kind of escalated quite a bit. Yeah, like with with what we were being with what we've been hearing, and you know maybe maybe uh, Noonan goes to FC Cincinnati, and we delay our decision. Um, maybe Noonan's not the leading candidate. Maybe one of the other names. Uh, we've got five other names, including Pablo Mastroeni. Uh, so I, I don't know. That that lends itself a little expediency from to my mind, at least. Yeah, mm. like it's just it, it's a variable. It's a factor. I would hate to think that like we decide to go with Pat Noonan and skip out on all the other possible opportunities that we have for the coaches, whether it's Donovan or Kinnear or Kreis or pop whatever if we just go with pat because we need to get him quick and like lock him up quick i I don't know how much faith that i would put into that yeah no that's fair. sure he'd be a good coach but take the time make the right decision and if you lose one out of your six or seven candidates to somebody else like it's gonna be okay cookies like you still got five or six other really good candidates so I, the only way it works for me that they would escalate the timeline just for him is if they intend to hire him and he's their top guy and they they know they want him regardless of the other coaches. I don't know if that's the case. Um, but maybe it, maybe it forces you to think about the decision-making faster. And maybe that's not a bad thing either, um, is if the timeline escalates because one of the candidates might be on his way you know, to another club uh the timeline you know the, as long as they're doing their due diligence i think the timeline's fine right mm-hmm. but, yeah you know, and i mean there's other yeah i mean there's definitely like other clubs that i mean the guys that are interviewing for the head coach position here i'm sure are interviewing and applying for other jobs elsewhere as well like there's a couple other teams like we mentioned dallas and cincinnati that don't have coaches right now you know i'm sure those guys are on somebody else's shortlist too so I, I just don't like the idea of us making a decision like quicker than than we're comfortable with. Because and of what a, other teams are doing. Yeah, because and yeah. like I get it. That's the sport and you kind of have to do that sometimes. But I'd rather they just get the decision right and get somebody that wants to be there rather than somebody that's going to just take the first job opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So. Trevor with Trevor with all these reasonable takes today. This is yeah, crazy. Really weird. Very distressing if we're being honest. I know. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I'm losing my role on the show. Oh. It's okay. Um, so and and we can let's actually talk about this after the we talk about the Austin FC game. Um, but I'm curious, uh, if we think Pablo Mastroeni is impressing in what is essentially like a tryout. But let's uh let's hold that. Okay. And Trevor looks very disappointed, probably because we're holding that and he wants to talk no, about because it right we're, now. Because it's something that we have to talk about. Yeah. And I get that we're going to talk about it. Yeah. But I already know the answer to the question is Pablo impressing in this tryout. And we'll get to it. But yeah. wow, I almost did a spoiler there. That was crazy. Yeah. I a already gave out my spoiler. spoiler for this episode with the Sixth Sense thing. 
Oh, oh that's right. Was it that uh, he was allergic to water or something? <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, so that's a different M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, Lady in the Water. <laughs> Very close. Yeah. yeah. Bubble Boy. The one, the one with Paul Giamatti. That's all I need to know. Um, I did suggest recently to a friend that Paul Giamatti should be the next Bond. Uh, he did not think Dude, that was a great idea. I'm I'm for it. I love Paul Giamatti. You need to. He's, yeah, he's great. great. Oscar award winner. We need a. He's short, right? I was gonna say we need a short king as Bond. Yeah. We need some need some uh, representation up yeah. in there. Actually, I mean, here's the thing: everyone in Hollywood is short. It's like really I think, reassuring I think, to me. Like Tom Cruise is like what, like five six? Oh yeah, yeah, like perfectly normal height. Yeah, but like <laughs> okay, Matt. It's oh. like when we think of these larger than life movie stars, you know, I think, I think, what we need is not not just, and I say this we as someone who's nearly six one, so I'm speaking on your behalf, of course, because I think it's important. Um, I think it's important that not only do we ha- continue to have short uh, actors in movies but that their height is actually accurately represented within the film, because I would argue that that has not been the case at all with is Hollywood lying to us. <laughs> I think that there's a bit of a Hollywood cover up happening and you might be asking yourself, Oh, clearly you're talking about one of the many, you know, conspiracies around Hollywood. And yeah, I am. I'm talking about how the fact that they hide how short Tom Cruise and others are. Like well, Tom Hardy is another one. A lot of Tom's. That's what I love about Paul oh. Giamatti is because they've never tried to hide that. That's right. He plays <laughs> short characters. He's always been like the short he's guy. Like a limo driver, for instance. Yeah. You see, or he's like, you know, the guy in Big Fat Liar who's like a little blue man. And <laughs> 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 he gets, anyway, so. He is 1.74 uh, meters tall. <laughs> I hate she's this. Louise. He's five. Okay. He's five nine. He's listed as five nine. That's not really Which, that short. Uh, it's not short. No, it's really not. Pretty average <laughs> height, I think. But five nine is like one of those notorious heights where it's like they're Pretty, listed yeah, like, as five nine, but yeah. really they're like five six, five six and a half. So anytime yeah. I see that, I'm a little bit like, mm, seem shorter than that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, he was great in Sideways. That's that's my real frame of reference with Paul Giamatti. So perfect. All right, should we talk LA Galaxy? Yeah, the game that was nearly very bad and ended up pretty good. Yeah, what a weird game. So, uh, Kyle, why don't you walk us through that game a little bit? Uh, let's see. We got dominated for the entire first half. We were all just like, okay, so when is LA going to score so we can get this over with? And it just kept not happening. Achoa was making some good saves. They were also just like missing. It was just weird. Like they were just doing a lot of weird, very not clinical. And then end of the first half, uh, Matt and I were talking about how Albert hadn't been doing very well. And we were hoping that maybe his, his uh his impending call up wasn't going to mean a return to form before he wasn't called up at the beginning of the season which was very notably worse than when he after he got shunned um and then he did something really great and uh had a nice little um 
I, 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 don't, I can't remember if he won the ball. I don't know. He, he gets the ball on the right side of the field. He's able to kind of, um, I think Herrera, someone on, on the right with him, kind of does like a dummy to where it seemed like Alvaro was going to pass it. He doesn't, gets the ball down to closer to the end line, plays a inch-perfect pass to just Demir Krylock, who's just standing in the six, like un, unmarked. Like That's I don't really understand how that happens at all with him because like half his goals are scored like that. And yet he just keeps finding himself just hanging out in, in the, uh, in the six sometimes. And, uh, buries. Oh, (laughs) well, didn't really bury it. He hit it at the keeper. Uh, it goes through the keeper behind him and, uh, he makes a save that was just like potentially like a 10th of a second too late. We don't have goal line technology, so it's hard to say whether it was definitively over, but I don't think there was enough to say it wasn't. Um, but yeah, it looked, it was really close. He almost uh, didn't get that. So RSL went into halftime up 1-0, which was very shocking, I thought, I felt. Um, and I, I don't really know what the deal was in the first half. We just like really could not get a grasp on the game like at all. Um, Trevor, were you watching on TV? Yeah, I was watching on TV. And what did you think the deal was in the first half? Because I was it, having a hard time figuring out was, like why we were so bad. So I I don't know why we were so bad, but I'll give you a couple stats that kind of tell the story. Um, our pass success rating through the whole game, but for the first 45 minutes, our pass success percentage was 70%. And we mm, had 30, 38% possession. Yeah, we were Ooh. like... It, just you know, couldn't it's, it's pass even, it to another player. Just couldn't yeah, like at we all could, link up anything. Yeah, it was like it reminded me of Liverpool in the first half against Manchester City. It was just straight up like there was, man, uh, LA Galaxy were just kind of relentless in their attack. Like our press wasn't working when they when we the few times we got the ball forward, and then uh, and like turned it over. We couldn't really press to get it back, and then it, it, like we weren't like. I, I mean, we were bad, but it was like mainly just because we didn't have the ball like at all. And then when we did get the ball, we were very desperate to do things with it that we couldn't do. So um, it was it was weird. But then that goal came out of nowhere and then that was good. And then the second half started and then things looked better from us. I thought we looked uh, a lot more composed on the ball. Um And I mean, we didn't talk about lineups in this one, but like. It was like another, I mean, Justin Miram got the start again. I thought this was one of Justin Miram's worst games that he's had for RSL. I don't, and and then we were told like he can just play that spot and Joni Menendez can't is what, is what we're told. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very perplexed by that description because Justin Miram clearly cannot play that spot. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the same thing we've seen with Justin. Kind of, well, not the same thing because Justin's been very kind of hot and cold, but it's him playing that position. He's either pretty good or just like a black hole. And he was kind of a black hole this game. Yeah. Like just doing his thing where he like has this idea in his head of like what he wants to do and just doesn't have the ability to do it and then just turns the ball over or something. It's really, it's tiresome to watch because his giveaways are just seem so much more costly than like others because he'll draw defenders in and it looks like he's got options 
to do something useful and then he just doesn't and then it's uh, like a dramatic turnover <laughs> every time it always seems like he gets the ball and <clears throat> oftentimes when we get the ball like out wide there's one or two players like checking to the guy giving him passing options and it seems like at least in this game that it seemed like that didn't really happen to miram so he was kind of left with the option of trying to dribble through a double team and yeah, he just can't like I'm sure at one point in his career he was capable of doing that. He just hasn't really had that gear this season at all. And he yeah. really didn't have it against LA. So yeah, it's exactly like you said. Like he'd get the ball and try to do something and it just wouldn't work and it would turn into a turnover. And it's weird because you can see what he's trying to do and then it just doesn't work like yeah, ever. It's, it's like <laughs> not bad ideas. Like he's not doing something stupid or wrong. It's just it doesn't work. It doesn't come like off. A poor, it's a poor touch or just like he just doesn't get. Yeah, it's 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 and that's what's frustrating is like I've seen it almost never work from him or even when it does work, it's followed by like a poor touch. And it's just yeah. it's really it's really tough. Um, well, and, and this is exacerbated by him playing in like what Pablo Mastroeni has called a wingback role. Yeah, it's <laughs> not. OK, Pablo keeps referring to a couple players like Menendez as like wingbacks. And in this system, the way this team has been playing, they're not wingbacks. They're just wide midfielders. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or out now wingers, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. We're just straight up a winger, but they're not, yeah. they're not just, wingbacks. Justin yeah, Glad they, is playing a wing, wingback, right? <laughs> yeah. As close as anybody yeah. on this team to playing a wingback, it, it's Justin. But it's yeah. not Herrera. It's not Miram. It's not anybody. We, we don't have wingbacks. We have a three-man back line and five midfielders. Yeah, I yeah, I'm fascinated by that is that adamant description because it never. <laughs> looks I mean, like that. it highlights his intention though, which I think is interesting. Yeah, that he he is putting these players out and asking them to play at wingback, um, but they are also playing very far forward, which you want your wing your. If you're playing with wingbacks, you want them to get forward, right? Uh, but yeah. the back portion is uh, just as important. Um, <laughs> and and yeah. we're ignoring it. And it yeah. requires somebody who can, you know, play defense, like like play somebody up 1v1 and, you know, <clears throat> occasionally come away the winner. But I don't think Miram has ever posted somebody up defensively 1v1 and come away the winner, like in his. Yeah career maybe i don't know I've, certainly I've, not seen, with RSL. I've seen better defensive work from joni menendez and i'm not just saying that because i think he should be playing is like i've like i thought that when he first got here the biggest strengths he was demonstrating was his ability to like win the ball back through our press and justin miram just doesn't seem capable of doing that so i mean if we need a quote ball winner in that position i know i know joni's small but it's like i don't know i feel like and, and also, um, I feel like you maybe shouldn't be playing a formation that keeps one of like your better players off the field entirely. Yeah, your marquee signing for the year. A TAM yeah. level player, right? Like, yeah. what is that? Like, oh, he doesn't fit this system. It's like, you well, should probably play a system. Him? Yeah, one, why did we get him? And again, obviously, Freddie was the coach, but it's like, we have this really talented dude. Why are we not playing a system that like utilizes that as much as possible? So it's here, not like here's my answer. Sure. So, so there's a half serious answer, um, which is that it it should be dismissed as a non serious answer actually. But it's from Pablo, and said he can't play wing back, uh, which crazy. Which 
A, I mean, he kind of can. And B, he, he's not asking him to play wing back. No, he's <laughs> pretending to ask him to play wing back, right? Yeah. And that's one of my bigger issues with Pablo is I don't, there's a, there's a lack of awareness with what he's asking them to do that I think is really troubling to me. And that's why we see, like, we keep getting caught in transition. That's a coaching thing. Like, that that's how you set the players out to play. That's not like the players weren't good enough in transition. That's yeah. you have given them like put them in such a fragile position that one missed touch and they're off to the races. Yeah, and like this team has defended transitions well most of the year. And yeah. then all of a sudden we're just trash. Yeah. We're just the worst transition defense in the league. So the other reason is that uh Pablo Mastroeni is going to play Demir Krylik at forward. Like, end of, he wants him closer to goal. Uh, we're back to Mike Pecky. Or yeah. maybe not Mike Pecky, but you, but you get the idea, right? Like, he sees a Demir as a forward because he scores goals. Um, the weird thing is, of course, that Demir has scored goals as a midfielder under Freddie. Um, yeah. But at a very good rate. Yeah. Uh, no, Pablo has said and done a lot of things that have just really irked me. We'll get into it when we talk about Pablo as a possibility for like head coach later. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we can finish this game out. So like the, I mean, oh yeah, this is good. The, the game continues. Um, you know, uh, Ochoa made some pretty incredible saves both in the first half, but especially in the second half. Um, just, uh, like pretty much. Just straight up uh, stuffed Chicharito a few different times, but then um, including on one, and like the, it was a it was a marquee highlight save from Ochoa. But if you just like watch how Chicharito gets in this position where he's like essentially taking a shot from in between the penalty spot and the six, right against Ochoa, and Ochoa saves it. Like Holt is just all over the place. As like we talk about transition defense. I mean, I think Holt's a pretty maybe like average-ish center back, just like normally. But when he's being asked to play in this transition role as like the guy who doesn't go forward, it is a disaster almost every time. Like like going back and watching the Portland goals, I, I like those are those are just shocking. And then some of these chances that Chicharito had and other LA Galaxy folks had, um boy uh very tough like has no idea what to do when he's like running backwards he just ends up doing two things he holds one of and like an attacker on side constantly and then he'll also like not be aggressive enough at going to the ball to where he makes both mistakes at the same time it's truly amazing actually um so <laughs> that happened a couple of times. Um, Achoa bailed us out more than more than a handful of times. And then uh, then there was this, uh, this moment in the box where Chicharito is like back to goal with Tony Datkovich and just loses him so easily. Like what's what's an, an analogy like a snake just slipping out of its skin just so seamlessly. Like I don't need like. I don't know if Tony Dakovich is just like the least physical center back ever, but just like no attempt to slow him down at all. He just turns and smashes the ball into the back of the net from like, a, like right at the top of the six, which um, I mean, once he was got turned, like you, 
I, I think everyone expected him to drill that shot, but it's like, why was he able to just turn inside back to goal like that? It was nuts. Well, so, just uh, yeah. talk about Tony Dokovich for just one second. There's a lot of people who are very, very low on Tony, especially after that goal and especially after that game. Yeah. And like, fair enough. He's hasn't really shown himself to be a great center back. Yeah. Or great center back signing. Um, he's kind of the last couple of games made me want to see more of Silva, which is a weird thing, <laughs> but to his defense in his defense, Chicharito's really good. He is and like Chicharito's going to turn most defenders in that position. I think, yeah, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from the finish. I was just displeased to see how easy Tony oh, yeah. let it happen. And honestly, yeah, sure. aside from that moment, I didn't think Tony had a bad game at all. I thought he didn't like, I wasn't noticing a lot of mistakes. I was I was pleasantly surprised, especially comparing it to like the Portland game. I was like, okay, finally, like he seems to be chilling out a little bit. Like this is fine. That moment was disappointing. It was a great goal from Chicharito, though, and it felt inevitable because they had so many chances before that. So um, I was like, well, we had been getting away with this for far too long. Our time, our time is up, and it was. And then. and then Anderson Julio gets put in the game late and we are going for going for the win here. But it was like it was nervy in that like there were six minutes of added time and uh, we were stretched very thin. And it like the those six minutes was me thinking we were going to give up the next goal and lose two one because that's what it felt like. Like we were. It was it yeah. was very nervy. LA had a lot of possession again. We were playing, we were attempting to kind of just do the long balls out of the back. When I mean, and when you have Anderson Julio, it's not like the worst idea. So, um, and then it and then it worked. And then <laughs> Tamir Krylock played this fantastic pass to Anderson Julio, who's got a one on two center backs, and he does like essentially his interpretation of the Neymar sombrero and just like blasts it into the back post into the back nets and it was just like one of the best goals i've ever seen in person at rio tinto especially it was just oh it was so good and uh we all went a little a little nuts in the press box uh broke broke the rules a little bit me in particular i i wasn't gonna mention it just to be clear but dude i was that was that was nuts like i turned around and i saw the look on trey's face (laughs) and it was just like oh also it should be noted that like that was the first time i've seen trey in there for like i mean it's been since he was like officially with the team before i think um i know he's been around the stadium and stuff but like i haven't seen him like hanging out in the press box uh let go of uh oh that that one early on where we had a chance where aaron herrera like the ball went through like two of our players and Aaron Herrera has a shot right at the, like the, at the six and just like misses it. Trey did let go of some profanity. And I just want to say on the air, I officially forgive him for that profanity. I felt like that was needing to be said. Cause I know it's probably been on Trey's mind a lot because he probably doesn't swear very often. So certainly not. Yeah. So I, uh, it was good to see <laughs> Trey. But yeah, that moment was with that goal was just insane. And then uh Matt like said something about this as we were leaving, but like we hung out uh, a little bit longer about the normal time that like if we're just like easing out of the stadium. It really is exceptional like how how fast people just clear out after like 
such an incredible moment like that. Like, cause yeah. I, I, I mean, I had seen a lot of people leaving thinking we were just going to draw that game, which I thought was presumptuous. I thought there was a good chance we were going to lose that game. So maybe that was the, <laughs> <laughs> the correct assumption anyway. But like, um, I, uh, that was one, if I had left early, I would have felt really bad for it. But then even like when I, like I didn't want to leave that night, it was just like, it was uh, magical, right? Like, it was great. It was amazing. And that was just like one of those things that's like, I don't know. Uh, when you just have a player that can just make moments like that happen, it just changes a lot of things around just how you feel about the team in general. And he's been that guy like for a lot of this this year. Um, he's had some big moments. And it's, I mean, it's what Savarino had for this team for however long we had him for. Like, yeah. just, got, just got something in him that makes him show up like in the big moments where, I mean... Anderson, when he starts, hasn't been like exceptional or anything, but there's something about like when he comes in as a sub 60, 70th minute, it's just like so dangerous. And yeah, that's, uh, yeah. that's something I kind of wanted to talk about because I know that was a thing. Um, after he started against Austin, yeah, I, after the LA game, that was one of the big like kind of narratives and things the fans were talking about was like, why isn't Anderson starting? He's obviously this very talented player and he's scoring goals at an incredible rate. He should be starting. We need that for 90 minutes. And then we move on yeah. to the Austin game. Yeah. I, I said that myself and now I'm like, I don't know. Is he okay with coming off the bench? <laughs> like, yeah. I think he should probably get more than 15 minutes at a time, but yeah, like there are guys that make a, you know, career out of that type of thing and obviously people want to play more and like you get more chances the more you play but like i don't know man it's like night and day sort of <laughs> when he's when he subs in yeah like i mean yeah i mean just in general with austin and and we can talk about austin if we want um i tried to avoid this game because i've had a bad feeling about it and it was way too early for me to feel comfortable about um yeah it was very early but yeah i don't know um should we talk about yeah. him Let's talk about Austin. Let's get it over. You guys are going to have really? to carry on this one because I, I very much did not watch as much of this as well. I'm, I'm glad I didn't watch much of it. Trevor, Trevor do you want to start this one? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I don't even know where to begin, but yeah, let's start here. The game started. <laughs> um, we, uh, we did start with um, Julio from the beginning which uh, again, a lot of people are calling for, um, but it was the same thing uh, we, we've seen before. The back line was glad Holt and Toya, um, presumably because Dakovich was not that great against LA, um, but Toya in the center back role is much worse. <laughs> yeah. And we, we saw it like immediately. Um, I pointed out on Twitter, I don't know how many times, but Austin only attacked down the left, not only, but pretty much started the attack down the left side and were just trying to beat Toya. And they did it with ease throughout the game. Um, 17 minutes in, uh, Cecilio Dominguez scores a goal um, with and I don't, I don't remember the, the exact goal, but I promise it started down the left. And I think it, they beat Toya and then put the ball across the front. Bad, bad or, news, or Trevor. Was this the one? Was this it the started one? started on the um, right. Yeah, this one was, was on our defensive right side. Right. And no, I'm remembering Eric, this one. Eric Holt. Eric like, Holt had the ping pong thing that happened. And then they got a shot off and 
um, Ochoa <laughs> saved it to his left, and Cecilia Dominguez was right there, completely unmarked, because Toya had shifted over, and Holt had shifted over, and none of the left-sided defenders or central midfielders or anybody had dropped back to cover that. So Cecilia <laughs> was just wide open and just had pretty much a tap-in, and that's one nothing. And then we keep playing the game, and... <sighs> Yeah, it was just kind of the same thing, a little bit of the same thing as the LA game, if I remember right. There was just not a lot of possession, not a lot of good things happening. Um, Pablo had Pablo Ruiz had not a great game, um, paired in the middle with uh, Beasler. Um, Beasler was yeah. fine, but Pablo he's always, was... He's always just fine. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what you want and expect and are going to get out of Nick Beasler. He's never going to like be a league beater or any, or like a league's best or anything like that, but he's going to give you a, a half-decent performance, and that's what he did. I, I can remember one like bad game from him this season, whereas like, <laughs> like Pablo and Everton are just like... They've had some games that I'm just like... How are you even like on this team right now? This is nuts. Yeah. But, yeah. That, was, that was kind of the game that uh, Pablo Ruiz had first half. Um, we went into halftime. Everybody was kind of expecting and looking for subs to be made. Uh, we didn't get any subs at halftime, but we did get one. Um, what is it? Eight, nine minutes later, uh, Pablo Ruiz came off and Everton Ruiz came on. And then almost immediately, Cecilio Dominguez scored again um oh can i talk about this from off the assist from diego fagundes do you remember this goal very well yeah so this is the one they get a throw in inside their half uh right about right around the halfway line um and we have we've pinned like three players in the midfield against them and we're playing this weird high line and uh they loop a a ball over for fagundes that's right and the most maddening thing for me is watching Eric Holt try to catch up. He slows down to look at the linesman to see if, if Fagundes is going to be called off. And by the time he's slowed down, he's completely out of the play. Uh, and it's a simple pass over. Um, Justin Glad has the angle on Fagundes and probably rightly comes over to him. Uh, but nobody's on the right side defending. Uh, which one is a good reason not to call uh, what we're playing with anything resembling wingbacks, but yeah, um, because this is a situation where we should be like set to defend, right? Anytime they've got a throw in, like we know they, they have a good chance of maintaining possession there. If we press and win the ball, great. Um, Then we can transition with a couple players. Instead, it felt like we wanted to transition with eight players and leave Eric Holt and Justin Glad as the only two defending players from yeah, the throw-in. Like they, it's a simple throw-in. It's not a contested throw-in. There's yeah, no argument. They don't take their, you know, they're not taking it quickly. It's just a normal throw-in. And this oh, was one where um, that right they, side they didn't, they didn't really I'm, beat Toya, but Toya was defending very high. He was he was marking a player that I don't remember if they even touched the ball or whatever, but he was pulled forward. <laughs> playing defense at about like the midfield line. And I think Holt and Glad were playing up like 10 yards behind the midfield the, line. The ball and that is played just the over, ball the that was over the top. To, yeah. The ball that gets put over the everybody. top is by that. That person was being defended by Donnie Toya. Okay. It, it is amazing. By the time that ball is played over the top though, like the second he kicks that ball, I mean, 
how is that person? I don't I don't understand what's happening here. Like who who is on the right at this point? Who's who's playing our quote right wing back position? That'd be Aaron Herrera at that point. Oh, yeah, unless Aaron Herrera, Herrera switched to the left and. No, no, this is 55 minutes in, so it is Herrera. 55, here, I'll send you guys a screenshot. Um, I'm trying to figure out what Aaron Herrera is doing right here. I'm trying I mean, to figure I out. can't see it yet, but I'll bet he's just marking somebody. He's not marking anyone. He's standing in the oh, center circle. Just the center standing circle. there. He, so, he's looking to counter, right? We clearly just forgot about the person yeah. on the other side of the field that's just who ends up scoring the goal. Uh, who scored their first goal? Like who scored their first all the goal? More reason to like not forget him. So that's right. Yeah, this both, is so bad. I I know we're yeah. doing an audio podcast, but if you guys this have the opportunity, match highlights Austin FC two one Real Salt Lake on YouTube. It's just from MLS. It's a screenshot of fifty four minutes and twenty four seconds, and it's right as they're playing the pass. And just look at Cecilio Dominguez. And look at Aaron Herrera and Justin Glad. Cecilia Dominguez, there's not a player within 30 yards of him. Yeah, what is that? What is Aaron doing there? I mean, Does he's, Aaron he's seriously the just right wing forward role that he's being asked to play, right? Yeah, he's playing I, like I, a right hand. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Matt's nailed it. He's getting ready for a dispossession and a transition into offense. He's not even considering playing defense right now. Literally, in any scenario, any professional soccer player should be able to turn and make that pass directly to Dominguez who's sitting wide open on the other side of the field like so yeah like that's the most obvious play Austin mm -hmm. took two touches to get it there or two passes to get it there and that was yeah. more than was necessary yeah he, that first pass could have been I mean he's in an offside position but like that first pass could theoretically go right to him that's an insane I I mean come on like that's just purely team organization right there that's like yep and you just <laughs> I, I'm like just staring at the screenshot. Yeah, I've got to, <laughs> like I've got to change does, screens because that is, is this unnerving. Happened? Yeah, I can't look at that anymore. So I, I listened to Pablo Mastroeni's post-match quotes after this to try to figure out what we planned to do there. And the best I can figure out, and actually it comes out uh, when talking about Joni Menendez, uh, he starts talking about the need to counter-press like which we know from world soccer is like the gig press, right? The thing mm -hmm. that Jurgen Klopp is known for. Um, and, and Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have a penchant for Jurgen Klopp and the team he coaches. That's right. Have you ever seen them do this? <laughs> um, no. And there's a reason that like, uh, when you have very talented right backs, you don't necessarily need to play them in a quote wing back position that puts them that far forward up the field. Like you can be a Trent Alexander Arnold on a four back system. One of the that, top right backs in the world, right? And can be incredibly dangerous in attack without having to change this, do this whole formation rigmarole to play against your backline strengths just to get like Demir far forward up the field. It's, it's, it's just so Aaron confusing. Herrera further forward. <laughs> I mean, there are problems with like, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've never, I mean, the press is, is that type of press doesn't require having your right back be playing in whatever that type of position is. It just doesn't. So, um, it, it is fascinating to 
I, that screenshot makes me sick. <laughs> you, you know what's even more maddening about this? It's one of those that, pictures that gives you a stroke. <laughs> oh, maybe it's a magic eye. Maybe there's something hidden in here. Yeah. Um, after implementing the 352, uh, or whatever it actually is, because I don't think it's a, a real 352. It, it's a 352, but it's it's a stupid 352. <laughs> yeah. like it's, not, it's not based off of what you would normally expect a 352 to be based off of. It's not yeah. accomplishing what other coaches use a 352 to do. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, so uh, he... Pablo Mastroini said one of the reasons that he rolled out this lineup was because Aaron Herrera wasn't available. Now Aaron Herrera is available and we're still doing this for some reason. Like, and Oh, it's because it's because Pablo's a liar and doesn't really know what he's talking about a lot. That's the thing. Like <laughs> he, he comes to the club. He says, I'm not going to change anything. Yep. That's uh, a lie. Immediately starts changing things. And maybe that's the right decision, right? Um, yeah, but you don't have to say, I'm not going to change change. things. I thought that was a weird thing to say. Yeah. (laughs) Cause things like there was a reason like a good chunk of the fan base was fine with Freddie leaving is because they wanted things to change. And so to come in and be like, nothing's going to change. I was bummed. Yeah. But now I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I, I I don't, I'm honestly not sure if, uh, if Freddie's system would have lost two one two. Uh, the worst team in the Western Conference. And Demir Krylock scores again from a very, very nice link-up play with um, Rubio Rubin. A beautiful goal. Laid it off just perfectly for him. But it's like, which, that, that was good. And that's a, the, that, that's a goal that, that happened under Freddie too. Um, we didn't really have these types of defensive mistakes under Freddie. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, here we are. I guess we can talk about uh, who we want as... Um, to hire and why if we think uh, Mastroini is going to get picked. Yeah, so so <laughs> one interesting thing that's come out here is that Elliot Fall has, has said, and it was misquoted a little bit in the media, uh, that Pablo Mastroini isn't being judged on these eight games. What he actually said was that um, he wasn't just being judged on these eight games. Um, and I, I've got a direct quote here. Um, yeah, that's the only thing I'd say to the fan base to keep in mind. There's more to it than just the last seven or eight games, uh, which I, I think is fair. Like you, you don't evaluate the, a coach solely on results. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but certainly like, that's part of it. It's it's the only way that Pablo, I think, has a chance at getting the job is if they don't look at the way the team has played for the last seven or eight games or don't base it on the way the team has played the last seven, eight games. But even yeah. that is like kind of an insane decision because it's like you're hiring him for the job that he is doing right now. Yeah. That's why I think and, that quote can kind of go either way though is, is like, I mean, he's, it's not just based on these seven or eight games. So like some, the people that are in favor of him, you know, getting hired say like, Oh, like we've won six home games in a row now. Is that what it is? Six home no, games? There's no way it's. I think, or, or we're, we, I think we haven't lost. Here, let me. I, don't know. Know. I actually built something in my form guide so that I could see this easily. Um, so, turning off away games, we have one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive wins. Okay. Yes, yeah, so we've won six in a row at home, which is great. Um, which is not so all I, Pablo's doing, by the right, way. And I can see people so pointing to that and being like, 
Um, you know, this is why we should hire him because look at how well we're doing. You know, one of the reasons why we should hire him because like we're doing super well in home games. I think Elliot's quote could mean, you know, we're not just basing it off this. Like there's also the entire the unknown, right? Like he's saying, like it's not going to be just based off these seven or eight games, depending on who we like if we hire him or not. Where do we want to go in as, as an organization is like a gigantic question and looming gray area that anything could really fill. So like obviously their coaching, their hiring for a coach decision is not going to be based on these seven or eight games, whether or not it, it should never be based on whether or not your interim head coach is performing well or enough or, or not. Like if, if he, if he isn't who you want at the helm moving forward, regardless of how well we're doing right now, um, there's going to be other things that influence that. And I think that quote could maybe mean that as well. I kind of took it as like, <laughs> like legalese so like yeah. he's saying like oh well we're not just using because then like obviously pablo has an unf- unfair advantage over yeah. head coaches so i feel like elliot was just saying look we're taking everything into account we're not just looking at these games we're trying to keep it as like an even level playing field among all the possible coaches which is like what you would kind of expect the guy in charge of hiring somebody would say yeah i, I just don't know how much weight i would put in that specific quote beyond just that he's saying we're, we're trying to do it as fair as we can for sure. But at the same, because like at the same time, like you're hiring the guy, like I said, to do the job that he is doing now, what about hiring Pablo is going to make him suddenly change his mind about how he wants to be a head coach. Now that he's basically the head coach, like you can't just be like, none of this matters because it's still Pablo making the decisions. Obviously he made a major formation change. It wasn't like he just started one player instead of another or moved Rusnak a little bit one way or the other. Like he's changed the way that this team has played in a fundamental drastic way. And you don't get to ignore that when you're considering how he might perform with this team in the future. If he gets hired, he's probably going to play this formation. And it's probably going to have a lot of the same issues that it does now. Maybe some of them get fixed because he has more time and maybe he gets a little bit more say over some players or whatever. But like you have to judge him based on these results. And there's a way to look at it that some of the results are pretty good. He's done well at home. But there's another way to look at it where he's done historically bad. He had the worst loss that this team has ever suffered since 2005 with 11 men on the field. The only time we've had a worse result was when we had a red card in like the like, past 10 minutes. Yeah. You have like, minutes. I don't know how you get excited about that guy. Or I don't know how you can ignore that when you're looking at, yeah, at hiring him. It, it's all talk, right? That's the big thing for me is there's a lot of focus on the things Pablo says. And obviously you can't discount the things he says. Um, but for me, the things he says are actually kind of problematic in some ways. Um, he, he does talk well about, you know, the fundamentals of tactics. Um, but when you see those now executed by the team, like, what is that talk? Yeah. Uh, it's, is it meaningful he, talk? I don't think so. He says know. a lot of things to a lot of people that are asking him questions post game and at halftime and all that stuff. But I mean, like we've talked about, like with Johnny Menendez playing a wing back and having or needing two ball winners in the midfield. Like there's several examples of things that he's said, like we're not going to change the formation where it's just not reflected in what actually happens. He says one thing and the team is doing another. And he just always has an answer for why that makes sense at that time. But 
like it's it, he can't say one thing and then do one thing he has to say one thing and then something else happens or it just doesn't line up with what is happening and what we can obviously see it's a little bit like freddie in that way where he's just not re- and i don't want to i mean i've already called him a liar but i don't want to say that he's like not telling the truth but he's just being dishonest and he's just I, saying the things that like coaches are supposed to say after losses or things that coaches are supposed to say after winnings. And it seems like he's just going through a prepared speech that doesn't actually reflect what has happened or what is going to happen. Yeah. And I, I think one of the bigger problems for me is he keeps highlighting like we weren't good in transition, but it's not changing. Um, yeah. And at the same time, like he's highlighting the players lack of transition focus. Um but he coached this team through the year, right? As an assistant coach, he yeah. had to play a role or or maybe he was sitting on the bench doing nothing, but that's possible. Maybe he was playing Civilization on that laptop they have. But he had he had to like be aware. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Um, but when he says, like, no, they weren't good in transition, like, whose fault is that? And who typically takes takes responsibility for those things for me when it's a tactical thing like that and transition like is absolutely a tactical thing especially when you go out setting out to counter press on like, a throwing you you leave yourself vulnerable to transition attacks and if that's the risk you want to take fine i i don't like it but i can accept that that's what you're trying to do but don't blame the players for that yeah like accept responsibility that that's an, a necessary part of what you want as a coach and maybe that's what it is i don't know yeah i mean <sighs> the throw-in thing just reminds me of uh jason christ when he i don't remember if it was after a game or, or what but one of the things that he i just remember him in a press conference getting furious at the team because we let in a goal off a throw-in and he was talking about how like there's a couple situations that you just cannot ever allow a team to score on. Yep. And a throw in is one of them. And that's basically what Austin's second goal was. And like, because that's just so much like in coaching, that's not players making mistakes. Like that's coaches. That's a situation that they are coached in. This is what we're going to do. If they get a throw in, in this position or in that position, this is how we're going to prepare. And this is where we're going to stand. And this is what we're going to do. And that's coaching. Yep. So, yeah, no, I agree. It's frustrating to see Pablo throw coaching issues onto the players. And he, it's not the first time he, like, Austin wasn't the first time he's done it before. And I think he'll probably just continue to do it. And it's not inspiring at all. No, <laughs> I feel very inspired. So, uh, mainly from yeah. you, though, Trevor. So, there is a chance we don't even have Pablo as our coach in our next next game. Yeah, um, because the you know uh, Elliot Fall did say he's looking to have it in the next ten to fourteen days, and from today, assuming that conversation happened today, ten days is within, like, is I think the day before our next home, our next match against Colorado Rapids. Our next match against Colorado Rapids is at home <laughs> on October sixteenth. That is eleven days from today. Oh, and I, I would love to see a new coach in that role. Um, I'd also love to see pablo win over colorado rapids that'd be kind of cool but uh at the same time like i don't know let's have a decision now i i suspect whoever comes in will give paulo that game of course i think that's kind of standard practice when you only have a day yeah i think so too it's all the same thing with mike pecky and daryl you guys think he'll stick around as an assistant 
I think it depends on the whim of the coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've talked a lot of S word against Pablo today, but like, sword. I honestly still it's don't really mind him as like an assistant. What was that? It's pronounced sword, by the way. Sorry. I've talked a lot of sword against uh, Pablo today, but I don't know. I, I don't know that I would mind him as an assistant. Like yeah. we were not unsuccessful with him as an assistant, but again, like there's part of me that I guess he's not a head coach, but there's part of me that f- feels if I was in Pablo's shoes, I don't know how I would feel about being an assistant, then being named interim, then applying for the job and then not getting the job and have yeah. some like brand new guy come in. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I, I wouldn't mind if the new guy came in and was like, Nope, I've got my staff. I need to bring my staff on. Yeah. And maybe it'll be uh, Miles Joseph and some other guys. Could be. That's a Jason Christ reference. Yeah. CJ Brown. CJ Brown. <laughs> That's right. There we go. Well. All right. Well. It seems like a good place to end it, I suppose. Yeah. We'll I, see what happens in the next 10 to 14 days. We finally ended on a happier note. I'll say this. This might be on a happier note. Hmm. You mentioned earlier um, talking about uh, like Pablo taking risks, like going forward and yeah. giving up like defensive issues. To be honest, and I've I've said this before, but I don't mind having a coach coach that way, as long as like everybody knows that that's what we're doing, and like a coach owns up to it. If he comes out and says, "Yeah, we we had a poor transition defense, we gave up a goal because we were trying to press forward so much," like that's kind of been it's it's not a great read of what pablo's been doing but that's kind of how the games have turned out they've been high scoring up tempo games for the most part under pablo and like it's entertaining um and if you're going to be a team that's like not spending all of the money if you're not going to be like in la galaxy or you know new york red bulls 10 years ago getting all the star players like at least be entertaining and if you're going to win a couple games along the way like that's awesome. And so if Pablo does get hired and he does is becomes our coach and wants to maintain this style of play, like I hope he gets better players that can actually play this position and builds out a roster to support this formation a little bit more. But as long as it's entertaining and as long as he's honest about what he's doing, I'm I'm fine with it to be honest. Yeah, I guess that's fair. So, entertainment, I guess, right? Yeah. If, 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 you're, if you're not going to like win championships, at least be entertaining. Are you are you not entertained? I'm pretty entertained, I guess. Yeah. And it, it's sure good podcast fodder. So, yeah. Facts. So, uh, the only guess, thing we need out of our local soccer team is just podcast fodder. Yeah. I guess, uh, I don't know. Should we record a, a podcast next week in advance of Colorado oh. Rapids game? Uh, we could also talk about. I mean, I'm saying yes, but in maybe we should try to, to get that, a guest on for that one oh, or something. Oh, we could do that. Yeah, there's going to be a couple of uh, U.S. men's national team games. Between oh, now yeah, and wait. Then. Uh, those start this weekend or ne- beginning of next week. I think the seventh is the first one. Oh, that's two days. That's yeah, that's Wednesday. That's or against Thursday, Jamaica, and then we play again on Sunday the tenth. Is is that Mexico? Jamaica is no, not Mexico. It, no, Sunday the tenth is not Mexico. <laughs> Sunday the tenth is uh, Panama. 
do we play Mexico in this in this break or is that the November one? We, that's the next one. We then oh. play Costa Rica. So it's two home games, one away game. <laughs> Jamaica, Costa Rica, Panama. Jamaica is not Mexico. Oh, OK. <laughs> <sighs> It's true, I guess. This is true. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we will see you all probably next week. Or you will hear us, whatever you want to. Oh, we'll be deep into the baseball playoffs at that point, too. So we can talk about the baseball playoffs. Can't wait. Wait, where's the stop button? How do I hit stop on this? (laughs) Stop. Stop it. Turn it off. All right. Good night, guys. Good night, guys. Bye, everyone.